This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, uh, boxing famous in the Hall of Fame and and was in Golden Gloves, and, you know, he was all in boxing all his life since he was a teacher. So, uh, But he also serves as my co-host and sports guru on the show as he has more things in his mind that he remembers than the ESPN uh, sports computer. So, Jack, good morning to you. How you doing today? Hey, good morning, Mac. That's some intro. Thank you. All right. Uh, the NBA playoffs last night, uh, Jack, the Knicks – and the Warriors both survive, uh, pushing it to a game six. The Knicks, Brunson scores 38 points. Barrett has 26. Randles with, has 24 points. And they hold uh, Jimmy Butler to 19 points. Uh, they were talking about how his ankle was kind of affecting him. Well, the one that really had a bad ankle was the one defending him, Jack Grimes. Even though he was hurt, he was all over Butler the whole game, played the whole game on a bad ankle, was some, in, in some cases couldn't even run down the court. So uh, the Knicks play their defense like they're supposed to. They win. They're down 3-2. to two. They need to win the last two games. Uh, it's not impossible, uh, but the odds are against them, Jack. I don't think they can do it. Yeah, when your Jimmy Butler was hurting for uh, Miami early in the series, but when you're up 3-1, you're still hurting a little bit. Sometimes you go at half speed. You don't go all out because you know you have that cushion. Worst case scenario, the Heat are going back to Miami for game six. So they knew if they didn't wrap it up game five, they have a game six. And Jimmy Butler did come on in the second half, okay, right. after slow starts. So when Miami creeped back into the game, he kind of turned it up a little level. Uh, the thing about Brunson for the Knicks yesterday that was most impressive, he played all 48 minutes, Mac. Yeah. When does a player in this day and age play all 48 minutes? But when you're facing elimination, you do things like that. Also, Julius Randle, it didn't reflect in the box score, but you could see the extra effort he was putting out on the court, the extra, extra effort and what it meant to him. The last couple of days, all we heard in the mass media was uh, Julius Randle should get traded. It, it was as if he was being blamed for the Knicks down 3-1. People were saying how tired they were of Julius Randle. And my answer is why? He was durable during the year. Mac, he played the first 77 games of the season. Sure. Imagine that, the first 77 games of the regular season. And... Julius Randle's not a superstar. He's a very good player, but he happened to find himself as being the best player on the Knicks. You know, so people expected more out of him. They were expecting like another Joe Lambeed, uh, another Giannis. You're not going to get that out of Julius Randle. He's not going to carry a team. He was lambasted all over the media the last couple of days. So he showed up for game five. Now, Mac. Game six is extra, extra important, not just for winning and losing for the Knicks. If the Knicks go down in a, in a close game, a tight game, and they get eliminated in six games to the Miami Heat, they can look back on this season with pride, as far as I'm concerned. They had a winning record. They won a playoff series, beating a very good team in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they would have showed fight against the Miami Heat, even though they'd lose in six games. But if what happens to them, if it's the same thing that happened to your Giants, Mac, in football after having a very good year that exceeded expectations, and they lose in the manner the Giants did to the Eagles in the playoffs after the Giants won a playoff game, that tarnishes the season just a little bit. Well, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying about them playing minutes. When you play for Thibodeau, you're one of his guys. You're going to play all the time, Jack, you know, as opposed to the other ones. That's the way Thibodeau coaches. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad to see Barrett really stepping up in some of these games. 
Uh, you know, they needed him uh, to win. They need him to win this series. Uh, if he plays bad in game uh, six, I don't think they're going to win. He's got to keep stepping up uh, when necessary. Uh, the Warriors, they beat the Lakers. Curry has 27 points. Wiggins steps up with 25. Uh, Draymond Green actually has 20 points. LeBron has 25. Davis, 23 with only nine rebounds. He kind of gets hit in the head. Uh, some people say that was on purpose. I don't think it was. The guy was going for a rebound, and that's, to me, what it was. Uh, the Warriors are still down 3-2. to two. Also need to win the last two. I think the Warriors have a better chance of doing that than the Knicks do, uh, Jack. Yeah, well, uh, I would say so, considering the Warriors' pedigree of four championships in recent times. The Heat, though, just backtracking a little bit, they've got an extraordinary coach in Eric Spolstra. With all these other coaches, Matt, getting fired, Spolstra's in no type of danger. Spolstra could get fired, get another job very quickly. He's the perfect coach of Miami. And you got to credit Pat Riley to a large degree. Pat Riley has complete faith in Eric Spolstra. He has a great relationship in him, with him. And Spolstra, at the end of the game, they kept trying to foul the Knicks big man, Robinson, get him to the foul line to creep back in the game. But Robinson was hitting his foul shots. So it kind of backfired. He didn't miss the shots to quite open the door for Miami, you know, to catch the Knicks at the end. As far as the Warriors go, kudos to Draymond Green, the way he started the game. He played with high energy. He established himself. He set a tempo for Golden State. Klay Thompson's shooting woes are continuing. I don't know, is it a slump or what's happening? But at the end of this season, uh, the Warriors are going to have a big decision to make on Klay Thompson, a painful decision. Klay Thompson wants a max contract. The Warriors are not going to give him a max contract. What type of contract they're going to give him, I don't know. Are the Warriors going to decide it's time to move on from Klay Thompson or not? Even if they can work out a deal with Clay Thompson, the question is, are they going to want to? Even yeah. if Clay Thompson is willing to meet them half, you know, more than halfway, do they want to? And that, you know, the Splash Brothers, Curry and Thompson, have been a great duo over the years. And just for sentimental reasons alone, you don't want to break something like that up. But if the Warriors lose game six to the Lakers, I got to believe a move is in order. I mean, are they really going to try to run it back? Then there's Raymond Green who's going to be a free agent. And I, I get the feeling, contrary to what you hear elsewhere, Golden State's not going to move on from Draymond Green. He gives them a certain attitude. But certain moves are going to have to be made. And you kind of wonder, would Golden State do business with the Knicks? I mean, what are the Knicks chips that they could conceivably trade? Julius Randle, of course, but what's he going to get in return? Would a Julius Randle for Jordan Poole deal work? Yeah, Jordan Poole has his issues with Golden State. Andrew Wiggins, now you're starting to talk. You know, would Golden State move on from Andrew Wiggins? Would they want R.J. Barrett in any type of deal? But you get the feeling both the Warriors and Knicks, if they get eliminated, there's going to be some real movement in the offseason. But I agree with you, Mac. I think the Warriors have a better chance of coming back from the 3-1 deficit, which is now 3-2 for both teams than the Knicks do. Yeah, I do too. Good morning to uh, David. Glad to have you Good morning, aboard. David. And we will be getting to the NFL schedule uh, a little bit later on in the show, Dave, so stay tuned for that. Um, Boston, <laughs> Boston's head coach – compared the playoff game to a regular season game, and that's how the Celtics played, Jack. Um, he says the strategy changed from defensive-minded to best offensive decision-making in game six, uh, Philadelphia and Boston. Boston is in a lot of trouble, Jack. I picked them to go to a championship. They still do have a chance, of course, to beat Philly, but they're playing in Philadelphia the next game, Jack. So, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the Philadelphia 76ers go to the uh, the East uh, the East Conference Championships? Actually, right now I do, and it's not a bold prediction. They're up 3-2. 
Boston could have been out of this already. They, and when I say out of it, they could have swept and been up 4 nothing out of the four games. Two of them, they win decisively. And two of them, they could have won that they, if they didn't let get away, they certainly were in a great position to win, yet they lost both those games. And when that happens, you're due for clunker. Every team is due for just a bad game, an off night. And Boston had that in game five. But the thing about it, they're down there, they were on their home floor. There was no urgency there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you could tell with the bench, the, their starters on the floor, there was no urgency there. You know, they're taking a lot of long three-point shots from the corner that aren't going in. The ball, They're not having really the ball movement. You could tell the Sixers are really focused. And Maxie's coming up with a really big series. Tobias Harris is playing well. And we said those were the key guys in large part. We knew Embiid is going to be outstanding no matter what. You, you, you know that. Come on, this is Joe Embiid. Harden, you know, is going to have a, every other game. He's probably going to have a big game, a really solid game. But Maxi and Tobias Harris, I mean, have really stepped up. And if they step up in game six, and even, I mean, the Sixers are going to close the Celtics out. You know, the Philly sports guy always complains, uh, you know, about, about his head coach. But uh, he seems to be out coaching the, the Celtics head coach right now, Jack. He seems to, he seems to know what to do against his team. And if the Celtics don't play defense like they did during the, se- the season, <laughs> I don't think they're going to win this. And and good morning, Joseph. Glad to have you on. Yeah, I, I think the Sixers might end it tonight. So, uh, you know, and he talks well, about Maxi too. Go ahead. Go ahead Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Part of it is working the officials. After the Sixers won game five, you, you'd think Doc Rivers would be totally happy, not a complaint in the world about bad calls. But he was complaining as if they lost the game. And he had a point. There was one play at the end of the game, and it could have been a disaster for the Sixers had the Celtics won the game. Jason Tatum, in the last minute, he pushes off on Max. He gives him an elbow. The moment that happened, you know, Mac, I'm watching on TV, and I go, foul. And there was no call. That was insane. And the replay showed it was so ridiculously flagrant, that foul. How can an official not call it? Sometimes I think at the end of the game, there's so much at stake. Any big game, I think the officials once in a while, they freeze. They freeze because the most embarrassing thing for an official is to blow a false whistle if there's no contact. Yeah, that's the worst thing. If there's contact, you don't blow a whistle. There are complaints. You can some sometimes get away with it as an official. You know, say, well, there wasn't enough contact, this or that. But if there's no contact at all and you blow the whistle, that yeah. that's a bad look for an official. But Tatum's elbow, Mac, man, oh man, he knocked Maxie backwards. He stuck it out. Yeah, yeah. His forearm. He stuck his forearm out and shoved. Yeah, it was like WWE stuff. <laughs> well, you know, Joseph and David are kind of going at it. One looks like a Celtics fan, the other is 76er fan. I don't count the Celtics out. Listen, would you be surprised if the Celtics came back and won the series? I wouldn't even be surprised. I think the Sixers are going to win it at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics came back and won it. If the Knicks won this series. I would be surprised, not shocked, surprised. Yes. If Golden State came back and beat the Lakers, I wouldn't be surprised. Right, right, right. So uh, anyway. Uh, Hartford is old, Joseph. That's the yes. problem. Hartford, Hartford's uh, long in the tooth. Let me put yes. it another way. He still comes I up was... with some really good defensive there plays go. like he has there in this go. series, but he's a little long in the tooth. And he and he kind of and he kind of made uh, he's made some big three pointers for him too, uh, in the clutch now and then. So, well, um, Herford's a big man. They need him for defense. The middle. Yeah. Um, Jokic, of course, he he didn't uh, knock down the uh, the owner, uh, you know, of the other team there. Um, 
he wasn't suspended yet. Now, of course, you're going to have some people, just some, that are going to throw a racial point here that, you know, if it was Daryl Green, he would have been suspended. Now, Daryl Green and Jokic are two different players. Daryl Green. Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green, Green, sorry. Not the wide, not the defensive back for the Redskins. But he uh, he's not Draymond Green. Jokic normally doesn't, you know, taunt people and get in, people face, in people's faces. And Draymond Green does. So to say that, well, Draymond Green would have gotten suspended, yeah, he probably would have, or at least, at least. Draymond Green's got a rap shot, a rap sheet. sheet. There you go. Then the biggest convicts, he's the equivalent of an NBA convict. Right. I mean, he, don't misunderstand me. He might be a beautiful man off the court, a great upstanding citizen off the court. We're just talking on the court. Nothing more than being on the court. He's an on-the-court convict, Raymond <laughs> Green. And again, strictly I'm talking basketball on the court, off the court. He might be one of the finest gentlemen. I don't know. Right. So anyway, uh, that's what uh, – the uh, I, I mean, you know, I mean, these race baiters, I'm sick of a Mac, you know, trying to make an example out of this. And come on. Yes. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, it's pathetic to mention this in the racial context with Jokic, you know, and the sun zone. It's pathetic, Mac. And anyone mentioning it, you know, uh, I mean, I, I feel for them. I feel for them. You know, get on and do something more useful with your days than to look for stuff like this. But let me let me just say, Jokic showed a good sense of humor before warm-ups at Game 5, after what happened in Game 4. He walked across the court, he saw the sun zone, and he handed him a basketball in the sun zone to hug him. But then Jokic also showed humor. He said, well, I was hoping he'd pay my $25,000 fine. <laughs> and I thought about that, Mac. I thought about that, and okay. I immediately thought, you know, it would be a nice gesture by the Suns owner, pay the $25,000 fine. It, it, it's like pennies to you, in reality, for all the money you have, and it's a nice gesture. And then I thought, no, don't pay the fine, because if you pay the fine of a play on another team, now the league might dock you a draft choice. They awesome. might say you're interfering, you're doing something. They might come back and hit you with a much bigger fine. They'll say, oh, you have no business doing that. Here's a hundred grand of fine. So the son's owner, even if he wanted to, and, the, and he had that in his heart to pay the 25 grand, he can't really do that. Or maybe he's waiting till after the series, if he's allowed, he could check with the commissioner's office. You don't want to pay Jokic's fine during the playoff series because you want your guys to be gung-ho. Because Devin Booker was laughing after game four. You know what his owner did? He says, oh, he helped get us a technical. He was helping our team. There you go. So he was having some fun with that. And Jokic was good afterwards. It's done with. I think it was much ado about nothing when push came to shove. And it would have been ludicrous, I think, that suspended Jokic for an important playoff game oh, yeah. over that yeah. little incident. And the Suns owner may have been the one more at fault, Mac, too. So maybe he should get banned from attending the rest of the series if you're going to suspend Jack. Jokic. Jack, in the NHL playoffs, I really haven't, I'll be honest with everyone, I really haven't been following that much. The only thing I got is the Stars won 6-3. to three. I know you've been watching a little bit more closely than me. Uh, what are you? some of your thoughts? Mac, I channel scan when there's good games on and I want to see them all. So I'm channel scanning a couple of nights ago between the Sixers and the Celtic game, the Yankee game, and the Dev and the Devils and you know Carolina there. And the Devils grab a one-nothing lead. You know, and then you're, you're leaving for the other games, and then it's 2-1 there behind it. They're 3-1, 4-1. What, they allowed six goals in the period? Yeah. What the heck is going on here? And they weren't power play goals, Mac. I could understand, you know, the Devils are giving away goals while, you know, they were man short, but they're playing at even strength. And now the Devils are down 3-1. 
Now, the Devils showed up for game three with a decisive victory, and they gave the fans a lot of hope. They could even the series. But hockey's a crazy sport, Matt. You could be down 3-1, and you could quickly turn it around. Look, the Boston Bruins' greatest regular season of all time, and they go up 3-1 against the Florida Panthers, and they lose the series, lose the series, and give. And they gave up a power play goal of 58 seconds to go in a decisive game to tie it up and then lost in overtime. Speaking of that last night's game, I'm watching the Maple Leafs got a win. They're down 3-1. Right. You never want the embarrassment of getting swept. Now they go back to Toronto, down 3-1 against the Panthers, who had a weak regular season, but a serious contenders to win the Cup. And you still can't look at the big picture. We need three. Let them win game five in Toronto and send it to a game six and see what happens. But... Yeah. uh what is it, Mac? Let me ask you. Why do we see in major sports, and we've seen it happen a lot in, in between baseball, you know, basketball, and hockey, where teams are down 3-1 and they win three straight? It, it happens a lot more than people think. But when a team is down 3-0, they virtually never come back. It's it's so unheard of. The Red Sox did it in 2004, you know, against the Yankees. The Rangers did it against the Pittsburgh Penguins one year. But it, it you know, it's, and they usually don't even win three straight to make it three apiece. They don't, you know, that they're, they're pretty much cooked. Maybe they'll win a game, Maybe at most, usually two games, but they don't come all the way back. What is it psychologically, Mac? I think it's just energy, Jack. I mean, when you're expending that much energy to win those two games, and then you just you just run out of gas. So, I I, I don't know if it's if it's psychological or physical. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, but as you said, you know, the Red Sox were the only. I didn't even know about the Rangers. The Red Sox was the only one that I can remember doing that. And, uh, you know, it, it, they say a game, the sports is more mental than physical. And I guess mentally you could say emotionally too. So, um, you know, it, I'm glad, I'm glad you're following the, the hockey playoffs. I just haven't had the time with everything else going on. So. I mean, uh, one, one thing about the hockey playoffs, they're so unpredictable, you know, like anyone could always beat anyone else. It's not like the NBA usually was, but the NBA has kind of changed a bit. This year, uh, like you take the Miami Heat, I was following them throughout the year. What a dull year that they have. No spark. No, it's like the Miami Heat now are waiting for the playoffs to begin. It's like all season long, you just wait, you rest up, and then you give it all you got. And I hate to say this, Mac, uh, all we remember at the end, as unfair as it is, it's what a team does during the playoffs. I mean, sure. we get all excited the regular season, but all they have to do is make the playoffs, and it's the playoff run that they did. You mentioned 2004 a moment ago, remembering the Red Sox coming back and beating the Yankees. Well, the Yankees were the division winners that year. Right. The Red Sox were wild card. Does anyone now care, Mac, that the Yankees were the 2004 AL East division winners. It may as well have been the Red Sox because they won the World Series at the end. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, and, and Major League Baseball, real quick, Jack. Uh, the Yankees uh, sweep uh, their first series, but of course, as I said, it was get, before the show. It was against the Oakland A's. Volpe hits his first home run. I think it's the first rookie Grand home slam. run. Yeah, the, the Grand Slam in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Labor Torres has a good series. Judge is back. Uh, Schmidt and Grayson Rodriguez pitch okay. Uh, so uh, the Yankees uh, do sweep the A's in the standings. Now, this is at least 500. And it's the AL East kills me because all their teams are good. And uh, compared to the rest of the LL, American League anyway, uh, most of these teams would be in first place in any other division. You got Tampa Bay still at 29-8. Baltimore 22 and 13, Toronto 21 and 15, Boston 21 and 16, and the New York Yankees at 20 and 17. 
and you put that in the Central Division against the Twins in 19 and 17, all of those teams would be in first place over there. Yeah, so that's, I, that's why when people criticize the Yankees, wrong place, wrong time. Yes. You know, yes basically being in the division that they're in. Uh, a couple of things. Kelsey Jansen, the Red Sox closing, notched his 400th save. So that right. puts him in some really great company. No one thinks of him as being a future Hall of Famer. But if he can keep pitching, and imagine he gets up to 500 saves. I mean, right. how do you keep him out from a statistical viewpoint, you know, if he could Good keep point. pitching for years to come? Uh, you know who I thought of when Anthony Volpe hit his grand slam homer? Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter likes Anthony Volpe, you know, you could tell by their interactions, because uh, Volpe kind of maybe reminds him a little of himself when he was young. He could relate, young Yankee shortstop, clean cut. Derek Jeter, I believe, was Anthony Volpe's favorite player, you know, as well. Uh, Derek Jeter just had one grand slam home in his entire career. And it was well into his career. And Anthony Volpe does it in this rookie season. And can you imagine if Derek Jeter didn't hit that one grand slam homer? People, people who always look at the negative will say, well, Derek Jeter never hit a grand slam homer, as if that's an impactful statistic, which it certainly isn't. Okay. Yes. But they kind of they point out complete nonsense, okay, yes. because they have nothing else to talk about. Like uh, you see stuff on ESPN on first take. They'll come up with these topics that are, you know, just nonsensical, as I said. And I want to keep pounding them in, pounding them in. Yeah, true, true. In in uh, in the NL, uh, well, let's finish up the East. Uh, the I'm sorry, the American League, Texas at twenty one fourteen, California at twenty and seventeen, in the Central. Houston is at 18 and 18, Jack. Oh, sorry. Houston Astros and the and the uh and the and the West are at 18-18. They kind of dropped off a little bit this year, Jack, so far anyway. Yeah, let's see with Houston whether they're just treading water or not, what's going on. I hate to say at this point that it's too early in the season, but they played 36 games out of 162. And at some point, you think they're going to maybe surge. And maybe they just have World Series fatigue. They won the World Series last year. And, uh, you know, they lost Justin Verlander, their Cy Young Award winner. They made other additions. We'll, we'll, we'll see. it. Uh, sometimes the players don't have the same hunger after winning a World Series. You know, yeah. they got to the top of the mountain. There could be a little bit of a letdown. But, but in reality, it's kind of early as far as judging Houston. And Houston could get there as a wild card, even if they don't win their division and then be a major threat when all said and done. Very true. The NL East is the one I was talking about, Jack. Atlanta's at 25-11. They're having a great year so far. And they're the only team over 500. So the Mets, uh, the Phillies, they're all below 500. In the Central, Pittsburgh's coming back down to earth. They're 21-17. They're only one and nine out of over the last ten. Um, the Milwaukee's at twenty and seventeen, and in the West, the Dodgers twenty three and seventeen have rose to the top. Arizona's still hanging in there at twenty and sixteen, and the Padres right now are at nineteen and seventeen. So that's a little little view of baseball early. We'll get more into it as the season goes goes along. NFL news, uh, Jack. Some of the uh, games have been. Uh, put out by um, about by the NFL. You have the Black Friday uh, Jets play in Miami. Um, Christmas Day, the Eagles and the Giants, uh, one of the oldest NFC rivalries, next to the Bears and uh, and uh, and I think the Lions, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, or the Packers and the Bears. Sorry, uh, New Year's. You have Kansas City against Cincinnati. That'll be a good one. Um, and you also have um, Miami. Uh, in Frankfurt, they're playing in Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Germany versus the Chiefs. So they let some of the the season out. They still haven't let out the whole schedule. That's supposed to be later on today, Jack. But Miami and Kansas City and Germany. Yes. yes, I'm a little surprised, Mac, because normally when they put a game overseas like they have in London. 
They don't give you the marquee matchups. Right. Because the fans are just happy to see any NFL football. Oh, the NFL's here. They're going to pack the place and they're going to be happy. But that is a heck of a game. You know, Tyreek, there are always storylines, Max. Always storylines. Tyreek Hill playing against his old team, the Chiefs, for the Dolphins. He's going to want to have a big game. But I don't want to hear Tyreek Hill's getting any type of revenge because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl without him last year. Tyreek Hill isn't getting any revenge even if he catches five touchdown passes. Uh, Game, Mac, we look at these games from a different viewpoint. Uh, People in another part of the country, certain games have more appeal to them than others. For me, the non-New York game that has the most appeal being located in New York that I look most forward to are the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yes. That's a rivalry. The Chiefs edged them in a championship game. The idiot mayor of Cincinnati who helped the chief team by, you know, taunting the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes beforehand. They should vote that fool out of office, okay? (laughs) You know what I mean? His opponent should say he cost our team a chance to – go to the Super Bowl with this stupidity. Sure. Okay, but that is a heck of a game right there. Uh, right. Who are your favorite primetime teams, Mac? Do you think the I NFL exists? Of course, you'd have to say the Chiefs. That would be maybe number one. Um, Over the Jets? Yes, yes. There's still a certain... Rogers, all the drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, think, I think so. I think the Chiefs are still the, 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 the major team out there. Super Bowl team, Patrick Mahomes. Whole nine yards. I think they're number one. Um, number two is close. Uh, the Jets would, of course, be uh, one of those teams. I think Cincinnati is one of those teams now. Yeah, I think they're one of the teams now. Um, the Eagles, of course. The Eagles, Super Bowl. Eagles, you know, yeah, that's, Eagles. Yeah. That's a big one. The Cowboys, because of their name. Uh, they're all going to be got it. Got it. So I think those, those would probably be it. The Giants, not so much. If they get Saquon Barkley on the team, he does have star appeal, but nothing like a Patrick Mahomes or a, or a it's a quarterback-driven league. But yeah. even some of the weaker teams uh, last year who drafted high, you were, we were talking before the show, Indianapolis thing, Anthony Richardson. You want to see People, him? As a curiosity back, the Mac. Yeah. I want to see him at quarterback. I'm curious. I'm sure. not as curious about Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I know those guys are going to be good. I know what they're capable of doing. Anthony Richardson's an X factor. Yeah, a complete X factor. What he might, what he might, you know, do. What he might not do. I think something has to be said about playing for a new team that makes a team more attractive. If Aaron Rodgers is still with the Packers. They would still be a box office draw, but Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be as appealing to watch as he is now in a Jet uniform. You kind of want to see what he's doing in a Jet uniform, the energy, the excitement, you know, that's brought to the Jet franchise. Well, when the Jets and the Giants play, I think it'll be a big game, mainly because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Of course, you'll have two number eights going at it now. You'll have Aaron Rodgers as number eight against Daniel Jones, who is number eight. So that'll be interesting. I can't wait to see the Giants defense sack Aaron Rodgers about six times, and that will be the, the highlight of my day. So I, I'm looking forward to that game, that's for sure. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think any team, uh, any player can afford to look ahead. But with that said, I'm sure the teams get a copy. Of the, you know, the players see the schedule. And they target a game far in advance. Sure. It's on their mind. Like the Aaron Rodgers – I don't think the Jets are playing the Packers this year. I didn't hear about it. But if the Jets were playing the Packers, you know Aaron Rodgers is eyeing the game. Sure. It's on his mind. But then again, it's on your mind. But you got to put it out of your mind. You can't seriously think of the game until that week. Because if you get caught looking ahead, that's when you run into trouble. You know, the Giants and Jets are more alike than we want to admit. Of course, Rodgers is better than Jones. I think Saquon's better than any running back that the Jets have right now. But the defenses are very similar. Bryce Hall is very good. He yeah, might, he's good. He might wind up in Saquon Barkley territory. Right. 
is here if he stays healthy, maybe. Right. But Saquon Barkley is outstanding. Right. One of the best backs in the league, for What's sure. What's going to be interesting is going to see those two young, aggressive defenses. They're both young. They're both aggressive. And that will be a heck of a show uh, for real football fans like me. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that with enthusiasm uh, more than I'll care about, you know, the, the passing and, and, and the passing game. That's, you know, that's, that's me though, Jack. So I guess you could call him a quarterback legend. He's done, he's done more than a player in certain respects. And I'm talking about Joe Cap. He died at 85, a running quarterback, really, uh, if you want to say one of the first real running quarterbacks, him and Bobby Douglas, maybe you would say, um, you know, he won a championship with the Vikings. He won a championship in the Canadian Football League. Uh, he won as a coach uh, that crazy game where the band came on the field. It was a Rose Bowl, I think, Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he did so three things that no other quarterback has done. Go ahead. Uh, I don't – he didn't win a Super Bowl championship. He won right. an NFC right. championship. He right. took the Vikings to Super Bowl four against the Chiefs. Joe Cap was a terrible passer. <laughs> he didn't throw well. I'll have to be honest about it. Did not throw well. He was just a tough guy. He would run. He was a big, strong quarterback who could absorb the contact. He, like, willed his team to victory. A lot of short passes. You know, they had a good running game. They had an elite defense, the Vikings. And he was just a tremendous leader. Tremendous leader. And his shortcomings, his limitations as a quarterback were exposed against a top-flight chief defense in the Super Bowl. But for him to get the team there, and he was such a charismatic quarterback, what happened to Joe Cap after he got the Vikings to the Super Bowl? He had a salary dispute with the Vikings. He never got his money. They ultimately wound up trading him to New England, and it just didn't work out there. Yeah. So he basically had one big, big season, and it was such a memorable season that we still talk about what he did for the Vikings because he really was great the one year they had him. And like you said, being being a coach of that crazy game, the band ran on the field and they allowed the play to stand. Not just the band, there was the fans. Field was so crowded. Everybody what was the heck? That, that's one of the more bizarre plays in NFL history. You know, ESPN had a, a big documentary on that. And John Elway, who played for Stanford, who lost that game, he refused to talk about it. Yeah, he's so disgusted to this day of them losing the game. He just doesn't want to speak about it. He issued a quick statement and wouldn't be interviewed for the documentary. Could you believe that? He found no humor in it all these years later. It really hurt him to lose that Rose Bowl game. But Joe Cap, one of the big names in the NFL, and I will say this about Joe Cap, one of the great quarterback leaders in history. If you talk about a leader of a team who could spark a team, yeah. He was he was that guy who really sparked that Minnesota Viking team to go to the Super Bowl for. You know, I remember I don't remember Cap playing that much during the year. I just remember the Super Bowl, and of course the Purple People Eaters. I mean that all little all little kids could love a nickname like that. Um, yeah, but you know Cap really got demolished in that game. Um, you know he tried to run with the ball, but as you said, that defense. That the Chiefs had with Buchanan, they were a tough defense. They were. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they were elite. That that day, they were better than than the Vikings defense was. And Hank Stram, you can remember, he was mic'd up that game, and he was just you know throwing short passes, short eating up the clock, not giving Minnesota back the ball. I think the biggest play they had was with uh, Jim Otis. Uh, the Otis, Taylor. Otis Taylor. What happened? The Chiefs got off to a Chiefs were winning sixteen nothing. But the cap rallied the Vikings. He took them down the field. They scored a touchdown, a long drive. And then Len Dawson threw a pass to the sideline, a sideline pass to Otis Taylor. He broke one tackle, and then he broke a second tackle running down the sideline, scored, made it 23-7, and that was basically the backbreaker. 
the Chiefs are just a better team at that point. But you know what's ironic? We were talking about scheduling before with the NFL. The NFL always knew how to put on marquee matchups. The next season, the first game was Kansas City at Minnesota rematch. And Minnesota won. They won decisively. So what were the Chiefs doing in the offseason? They had a Super Bowl hangover if they're to lose opening game. Sure, sure. And, you know, uh, of course, the great Jan Stenerud was the Chiefs kicker, um, you know, and he put a lot of points on the boards for the Chiefs, too, in that game. So, um, you know, it was it, it was interesting. It wasn't a competitive game, but it was very interesting, uh, Jack. Looking well, back. it was a big game, too, Super Bowl four because the Jets had upset the Colts in Super Bowl three, And after the Jets won that game, there was no longer an AFL and no longer an NFL rivalry. They changed the names that one was the AFC and the other was the NFC, and they kind of switched teams. Oh, no, no, that was the following year after Super Bowl four. It was in the works. They decided they were going to do that. They moved a couple of teams from the okay. NFC to the AFC. Right, the Colts. Did yeah. That after, yeah, after actually, right after Super Bowl four. Right. But what it, what had happened? People were still skeptical that all those old AF, AFL teams like the Chiefs could compete with NFL teams. They thought the Jets beating the Colts that was an aberration. Some were saying sure. that's a fluke. And the Vikings had an old line coach in Bud Grant, hardened old timer who didn't like the AFL and he wanted to reestablish the NFL's reputation and dominance. And for him, it was a nightmare game because the AFL showed that they were basically on the par with the NFL, with the Chiefs winning. The Chiefs confirmed the AFL was as good as the NFL. There wasn't much difference between the leagues. Sure, sure. So uh, there was a punter, the Buffalo Bills punter, who was, he was uh, alleged to have, was alleged to be involved in a gang rape, and it come to find out, Jack, he wasn't even there. Now I don't know did, if Buffalo suspended him or kicked him off the team or not, but if that's true, if that's true. I'm not sure, Jack, because I really, I really they didn't look. Him. They okay. caught him. Matt, they caught him. They caught him. Now what happened? So now what happened? Mac, he was drafted in the sixth round by the Buffalo Bills. Then they had all these charges, and the Bills just cut him. <clears throat> they said he has bigger issues he has to deal with. And once again, here we have a rush to judgment. Yeah. People thought he was guilty. Based on what? The word gets out that he's guilty, just like the Duke lacrosse players. Right. You see these you know, commentators on the air. And everyone picks up that they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty, like they did with the Duke lacrosse players. Really, the guilty one was the prosecutor who should have served more than one day in jail. He should have been sent away to prosecute in the Duke case. But we're talking about the Buffalo Bill, you know, player matter razor there. And they, like, just moved, and the Bills just moved on from him. He wasn't given the benefit of the doubt. And now I don't want to hear, well, there's a civil case against them. You can bring a civil case against anyone, okay? Listen, not all court judgments we can necessarily go along with. Look, look, in the case this of O.J. Simpson, O.J. Simpson, even though he was exonerated in court of the criminal charges, NBC wasn't going to hire him back. Because the perception was still overwhelming as to what went on with the public. Sure. An overwhelming perception that was against them over there. But with Matter Razor, no one knows anything from him but in the game. They assumed he was guilty. And now the San Diego police, all the video surveillance and the investigation came to the conclusion the kid wasn't there. Right. For this, for you know the alleged gang rape that took place. He wasn't there, okay? So nothing fit. He was innocent of the charges. How can you be guilty if you're not there unless you plotted something? There's no evidence that he did any wrongdoing. Now that it came out, what is going to be done, okay? Are the bills going to reinstate him? But they cut him already. He's a free agent. 
Yeah. Let me tell you something in the sick society we live in, Mac, the pathetic society that we live in. I think he's going to have a hard time having a team pick him up still. Yeah. Because they're concerned of reputation, they're concerned, well, some people might be picketing. Well, he really is guilty, you know. There's some people are going to hold to that even though there's no evidence. And imagine yeah. how he has to be feeling, you know. Innocent of the charges, not there. And the perception was that he did it. And his dream of playing in the NFL, where he may have made that Bills team, now is, you know, might be gone for good still. So so does he sue uh, the, 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 the person that accused him that? Does he sue the... The uh, the uh, the the prosecuting team. I mean, what is what's his next step? I imagine he's got to do something. I mean, he's not just going to let this lie. No, no, he can't sue. You know, the justice system. Oh, you can. You prosecutors. You can. No, no, they didn't. He wasn't officially charged with anything. From all indications, he was under this suspicion. They were investigating to look to bring charges against yeah. him. And while that was going on, the bill organization, rather than giving him the benefit of the doubt of this or that and let him come to camp, they were scared about women's groups picketing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. But how do you pick at a guy if there's not evidence that he did something? They don't, care. Something? They, they, they don't, they don't care. care. They just care about perception. They don't want a headache. They don't want a headache. Teams aren't willing to undergo all the aggravation of these groups unless it's a star player. Look, if it's a Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns are going to pick him up because that's a franchise quarterback. Sure. You know, I'm just throwing a name. Imagine imagine accusing Patrick Mahomes of the same thing. Does anyone think in their right mind the Chiefs would cut him? Oh, there's and no if way. They did, if they did, there would be 20 teams on his doorstep no, no the next, yeah, immediately trying to sign him. What, no what, does he, what does he do, Matt? What does he do if he never gets to, an Listen, opportunity? I would, I, I, would, I would sue for slander. I would sue for defamation. I would sue for something. I wouldn't take it. Well, who, is, who is he suing? I mean, that's you would either thing. you would either have to go. You would either have to go uh, against the person who accused you of doing it, and she was gang raped. So I mean, he would look terrible doing that. So I don't think he would want to do that. But he's got to do something. Maybe where it was held at. I I don't know, Jack. I just know he's in a bad situation right now. Uh, he's uh, the right thing to do would be. For the Buffalo Bills right. to invite him back I to agree. camp, unless they have a punter, unless they're happy with their punter right even now. Even so, even so. Unless some team always needs a punter. Sure. Invite him to camp. It's the right thing to do. Sure. Okay, right now. I mean, I know, hey, I know the Giants need a punter after last year. I know that for sure. Uh, that, that punter they had stunk. So, oh, but, I don't but, know. but you get tarnished when something like that happens. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you're tarnished. They still look at another guy like he's damaged this and that. Yes, very true. So, Jack, let's do a little bit of boxing here. Um, Charlo wants Canelo. <laughs> so, I don't yes. think it's Charlo, not happening. It's not happening. It's Charlo, Jamel, Jamal. Let, just let him fight. Jamel's coming off an injury. Jamal hasn't fought in the longest time. Right, like, right. They want Canelo. I, I, don't even pay it. I don't even pay attention to this nonsense. They fight for rival promoters. Of course, right. he's going to say this and right. say that. You know, you fight Canelo, you automatically win as soon as you sign the contract when you fight Canelo. And I'll tell you why, because Canelo is where you make the most money. Sure. So when you lose, you still win. Of you course. Still win. Of course you do. Uh, they got some uh, boxing coming up here, Jack, in the next week. Uh, Zorro versus Burton on Fight TV, May 12th. Um, is that a good fight to watch? Uh, wait, wait, Zorro versus Burton? Yes. I don't know what the... Well, May... forget, forget, forget those fights, Matt. May 20th, we right. have Lomachenko and we yes. have Haney fighting. That's yes. what day are we on today. I lost track of the days, Mac, over here. That's we're next at, weekend, of yes, course. Right. Yes. We have Lomachenko and Devin Haney. We look forward to that. Ra Raleigh Romero, the guy who got stopped 
by Tank Davis. He's fighting this weekend against Ismail Barroso. Right. Okay. I mean, that maybe that's the fight you meant there. And yes. that fight has a little that fight has a little bit of interest, but they're set, they're kind of second tier fighters. And the winner of that fight, they could match him against a big name. It wouldn't be a big fight, but it it would allow one of the other big names to mark a little bit of time, especially Rally Romero, because you know, he talks a lot of smack. So that gives him a personality in this day and age because, you know, he talks a lot of silly stuff and pe people like that. They, yeah, you know, they, they like the athletes who talk silly yeah. like Patrick Beverly, Dylan Brooks, who pop off and even though they don't back it up by their performance, it's it's intriguing to, you know, yeah. Jack, people. Don King, your old friend Don King announces he signed a second Fighter, former four-time world champion, Aaron, the problem, Broner. Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner never won a legitimate world championship. It's In this day and age, it's a joke, four-time world champion. Four-time belt holder. Say belt right. holder. Right. That's the right terminology. And he gave Broner, Don King, a $100,000 bonus to sign with him. Okay. And Brona said his initials A-B about billions. But Brona's career has been disappointing, despite the few belts. Showtime loved him. The PBC had him. They promoted him well for a while. He's another one who had acted pretty, I don't know it's the word obnoxious, but a lot of, yeah, you could say obnoxious. A lot of stuff came out of his mouth that shouldn't. You know, and so on. But I feel for Adrian Broner because he says he's had some mental health issues. So I, I really sincerely, and I mean this, hope that gets addressed and that he get has gets a good handle on that. But he's being promoted by Don King, and Don King's 91 years old. He's King's franchise player. I don't get this, Mac. King has a press conference in Deerfield Beach a couple of days ago, and it's May. He signed Brona a couple of months ago. Why not have that press conference earlier? I was nearby there in Florida. I would have attended. Yeah. There's not that much media in Florida in May that's right. going to show up to King's office in Deerfield Beach. You know, he's going to get a few fanboys who are excited, you know, who might want Brona's autograph, who, you know, are going to be disguised as media. Right. And wants to make a big deal. But he has Brona fighting June 9th at the Miami High Lie, where they have my the High Lie in Miami. Right. And Brona's a name. You know, uh, you can match him in a, a fight against the name fight after this, assuming he beat yeah. uh, fighter Bill Hutchinson. He's taking on that fight, Jack, Bill Hutchinson. Yeah, that's I said, Bill Hutchinson. Bill Hutchinson has absolutely no name at all, Mac. If yeah. he wasn't signing to fight Adrian Broner, I would think that he was a backup forward for the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Robert Durant turned 70 today. One of my – Roberto you know, Durant. Yeah, you know Joe uh, uh, Joe Frazier. You know, Smoking Joe was my favorite. I might consider Roberto Durant my second favorite. I remember watching his early videos of his early bouts, Jack. That guy was not, he did not stop. He would smother you. He'd be all over you. Uh, he would not stop at all. And uh, a, a, not a, maybe not a great technician, but man, he had heart. Right. He was a great technician. Okay. He was. He was. Okay. People don't realize that part about Duran. What a good boxer he was. Some people think of him as a brawler. He could brawl with the best of them, but he was such a cute boxer the way he could slip, punch his jab, box well. I mean, he really was a master box on top of it, but people didn't don't think of him that way. I must be getting old too, Mac, even though I don't feel that way, because I was at Madison Square Garden when Duran won the World Lightweight title from Ken Buchanan on June 26, 1972. What an electrifying night when Buchanan, I mean, when Duran was entered the ring in Buchanan, and what an electrifying fight. And then later in the year, I was at the Garden when Duran, after winning the title, 
actually suffered the only defeat when he was truly in his prime against the and to Jesus. He wasn't in best of shape for that fight. He thought it was a gimme. Really? And there's a story behind it that the promoter Teddy Brenner, the matchmaker Teddy Brenner, promised Duran's manager, Carlos Alida, ah, you'll beat the Jesus easy, no problem. The Jesus was a terrific fighter. Duran wasn't prepared, got knocked down in the first round, lost the decision, knocked the Jesus out twice in title matches after that. And I was at the Garden in 1983 when uh, Duran, who was left on the scrap heap by many, came back and won a version of the junior middleweight title by knocking out Davey Moore. In the Moore fight, Mac, when he knocked out Davey Moore, I was at the garden. I was sitting in the blue seats upstairs. I've never been in a venue, Mac, for any sporting event, including Ali Frazier won, that was as loud as it was the moment Duran won the fight. Wow. And it was waved off. I was never, it was the loudest I've ever heard everything. And I was at Yankee Stadium when Reggie hit his three homers. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was at a lot of high-profile sporting events. Never heard crowd noise, the volume to that very, point. Very interesting. Jake Paul continues to try to get better at boxing. Jackie hires Shane Mosley to his training team. Uh, I This is a great move by uh, by Paul if he really wants yeah. to become a boxer, Jack. So Well, he is a boxer. He's a boxer. He's staying I mean, with the long You know enough. what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's fight. you know what the problem is? He's fighting Nate Diaz. What's he fighting? A UFC guy now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Diaz is incompetent, you know, with the gloves on. I'm not saying he's not going to pose a threat. I just don't know. But if you really want to be a boxer, start taking on boxers. other boxers because the impression is if he wins, well, he fought a UFC guy. Jake Paul's more about entertainment sure. than being a boxer. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a real boxer, but it's the brand. You know, when Jake Paul fights, it's like, oh, more like an event, more like a concert than a boxing match. Let, I mean, let, let me ask you, Jack. I mean, Jake Paul has asked other boxers to fight him. Do you think other boxers don't fight him? Well, see, yes. He hasn't asked other boxers didn't to not, fight didn't him. Didn't he ask Lomachenko or somebody to fight him? I forget. Oh, he may have been. No, you know what Jake Paul might be doing? Yeah. He may have mentioned to Canelo and Mayweather. You're, you're right, Mac. But those are cash-out fights, Mac. That's absolutely ridiculous. Sure. You put him in with one of those guys, he's absolutely oh, going to get loose and get stabbed. The money is going to be so great, he automatically wins on the payday he's going to get. But back to my point, do you think maybe the boxers don't really – they kind of think he's a joke, that he's really not a boxer? But they want to fight him. Everyone wants to fight him because of the payday involved. Okay. Paul Frack, a retired boxer who's going into the International Boxing Hall of Fame next month. He says he'll come out of retirement to fight Jake Paul. I mean, they're looking at the chops because Jake Paul's not going to hurt them in the ring. They're not going to get hurt. And they're going to get a tremendous payday. Everyone would want to fight Jake Paul. I mean, why wouldn't they? Listen, Mac, I would consider coming out of retirement to fight <laughs> Jake Paul. I mean, come on. Do you think... Do you think who who would be his if Jake Paul was to fight a boxer, who would you pick for him to fight his first bout against? No idea, Mac. No yeah. idea off the top of my head. It would probably be an unknown fighter, carefully selected, who you'd have to scout. Someone you know he would beat, but who could give him a little bit of a fight because you don't want a one, a two round walkover. Right. Someone inept who goes down immediately. They'll get ridiculed. You want, you, you want to start matching him more with fighters who maybe have a 10 wins, four losses, and start building him up to a point. Okay. All right. All right. So Jack could promote or manage. Uh... Uh, Jake Paul's career. No, he's doing fine on his own. Look, <laughs> yes, he's an entertainer. He's making big money. Yes, he is. He doesn't yes. need. He doesn't need to live the life of a real fighter and build up his record and fights. He's there to get his paydays right now. Yeah, I think so he wants. There's no way else to go. But I think. I think he wants. Fight, fight. I think he wants to become a real boxer, Jack. I think deep down he wants to. 
But anyway, folks, we are at the end of the program today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Joe and, and David and the others. And thanks for the, 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 uh, the love at the top there. We love you guys too. So we'll be back tomorrow, Friday, with uh, Keith Angle, uh, with uh, Byron Williams and the Philly Sports Guy, bringing you the best, hottest updates in sports. Should have a lot more NBA news for you. Maybe some the NFL schedule will be uh, released sometime today, so we'll be able to talk about that uh, more uh, uh, about when the games will be and stuff like this. Everything is still to be determined from what I read uh, this morning. So we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Uh, it's Thursday, so just take it easy. Make it to Friday. We'll see you tomorrow, guys.